I believe in the writing of the Amicus um, Almanac. I think it's very good. And there's some films mentioned in those in the dying days of Hammer and Amicus, um, which, you know, state there was a, a an upsurge in horror interest and there was quite a lot of there were quite a lot of horror films and TV films and really because of the crowded marketplace it was an issue for Amicus. One of those mentioned was the Norlis tapes and I thought that might be interesting to see. I was wrong. This is a 1973 made-for-TV pilot for a series that never got made and I can understand why. It's, um, it's, it's, it's about an hour and... It's an hour and 11 minutes. Probably needs, it's probably about 45 minutes too long. It's, um, it's written by Fred Mustard Stewart. Fred Mustard Stewart. Who, um, who wrote the Mephisto Waltz. Which had a meager following and a film. It's, um, directed by Dan Curtis, who, um, directs some other things on TV, uh, of a horror nature, and stars Roy Thinnies. You know from the Invaders TV stuff and Angie Dickinson. They must have been delighted when they got her because she is an actor who's been in films. Films, I tells you. Okay, there are some real tropes here. He's a writer who um, can't really get his head around the book. His publisher calls you and says, it's been a year since we last spoke. What kind of a publisher are you? Says, yeah, I'm, I'm not really written the book yet. What? It's been a year. Yeah, well, I am well into the book and I have some tapes. Then he goes missing. So, of course, the publisher contacts his uh, attorney, his lawyer, because he has got no friends, you see. Mr. Norris, David, he's got no friends. And um, he says, you know, it's probably... He's probably just an eccentric writer. Doesn't really know him, I don't think. He said, I'm not his nursemaid, I'm I'm his lawyer. Quite right too. Then they meet at another um, scene immediately afterwards. And he said, I, I'm sorry I reacted that way the other day. I, I, I was probably wrong. Oh, well, you don't need another scene saying that. You could have just said, maybe you should go and take a look at his house. Which the publisher does and he's not there. But the tapes are. So he puts one on. And the story begins. He's a debunker, you see, like James Randi, only not Arthur's good. And he's seen a lot of kind of parapsychological stuff. And someone puts him in contact with Angie Dickinson, who comes to see him and says, I saw my husband the other night. Oh, well, that must be fine for you. Not really. He's been dead for a few years. And uh, he was some kind of artist, sculptor, who um, had an interest in the occult. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. One good thing about this, no Ouija board in sight, which is good. She sees him and we see him. He seems to have mad staring eyes, be wearing a dark suit with a black tie and um, and have mauve face paint on or makeup. It's interesting because, of course, he's been dead for a while, you see, but they've chosen mauve. I don't know why. Grey would be a, a more, a, a really more more usual colour, but I mean, mauve is interesting. So she goes to see David, who doesn't say, well, I think you might be mentally ill, or maybe you're grieving, or I have other things to do, or look a bird and run away. He doesn't do any of that. He says, I think I'm going to take what you'll say at face value as absolutely correct. 
In the meantime, a woman who works in a shop is attacked and drained of blood. The sheriff, who is a sort of, you know, he's a he's like all sheriffs in this kind of um, in these kind of shows, played by Claude Claude Akins, who we will have seen quite a lot. You know, he's he's done quite a lot of TV. Um, he's done he's done a load of films as well. Um, he's in the Magnificent Seven. You know, he's, there's a lot of stuff. Bonanza, Gunsmoke. So he's done quite a lot. Of, anyway, he's the kind of guy who says keep this under wraps. He's like a sort of proto, uh, you know, amity mayor. He's like that, but um, he doesn't believe. Of course, you wouldn't, would you? You know, there's got to be another explanation for this. For instance, so. People keep getting attacked and all of that gubbins. And, um, well, David does some research and goes to see a woman who's a, 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 an occult person. She goes to see Angie Dickinson and says, I must talk to you. I've got to tell you about this. There is a scarab ring mentioned, which suddenly returns to the body because David has gone down to the crypt with Angie Dickinson and there is... A, um, there's a sarcophagus in which he should be lying. And it's one of those nice and neat peel-back-the-lid sarcophagus, sarcophagi. Because all he does is pull a handle and, and, and open it. No, you, that, that's not what sarcophagi are for. You, you can't just pull the lid off. Anyway, he's in there with the scarab ring on. Scarab ring's important because it, it comes out that the occult woman... Um, has told him that if he um, if he takes the occult the, the scarab ring and does the usual gubbins of occult prayer and all that, it'll involve some chanting, won't it? And then makes a clay model or a statue of a certain demon. Once the statue is complete, and more on that in a minute, because that's not that easy. You can't just slap some clay together and say, "There you go." But once the, the demon statue is, is complete, the demon will walk abroad. I, I'm not saying he's going to Benidorm or anything. Not that kind of abroad. He'll be able to walk in our, in our plane. See, I'm into this now, this supernatural stuff. And then, he, and then court will um, receive ultimate and, uh, uh, and complete and long-lasting life. Seems like a good deal. It's a sort of general meet him at the crossroads type thing. But the wrinkle is immortality is a word I'm looking for, not ultimate life, immortality. You might, you might get immortality and not have an ultimate life. Do you know, you, you might be in the gig economy for the whole of your life and never be able to, to die. And anyway, the wrinkle is that it's not just clay. It has to be clay with blood. Because Norlis goes into the studio with Dickinson, spending a lot of time with Dickinson, and says, this clay is, is still wet. And that statue of the demon wasn't there the other day. See, big clues here. So he has to kill people to get the blood in the clay. Whilst Norlis is saying, I'm doing some work around the architecture of the place, and he's getting into his studio from underneath. Wait, I don't know, there's loads of, there are loads of tunnels underneath underneath the house. They don't come into it at all. I don't know why he even mentioned it and never mentioned again. It's almost as if 
they had to cut those because they had to keep the time down. Anyway, they decide, Dickinson and the occult woman, to, um, to go and have a look at this. We need to stop him because tonight he's going to be complete and the demon will walk abroad. I mean, it may be, it may be in, it could be in France, it may be in Ibiza, I don't know. But he's going to be walking abroad and it'll be too late. We need to get him down. Okay, let's go and search for him. They seem to know where he is. They go into the, ah, oh, they do come into it, the tunnels. He's in the tunnels. They seem to know where he is. They, they seem to know to go to the tunnels straight away. They find a packing case with him in there and open the packing case. He is in there. Mo face. Pink hands. That's not... It's not ideal, particularly as you're talking about the scarab ring and you are going to be seeing that in close up. Just a little wrinkle. Of course, he wakes up and chases them. Get it there. He kills the occult woman, drains her of blood. Yeah, that serves you right for dabbling in the occult, don't it? See? Yes. And um, a chase to the studio where... Um, Angie Dickinson, rightly so, says, why? What, what, what's going on here? Why, why have you brought us here? You can't stop him, you fool. And, he, and David Norris, who's been doing a lot of research, says, we need, a, we need a blood circle. Once he gets in, he can't get out. Well, that's a great idea. Where's the blood? Oh, you've made some. We've, we've seen him putting something in a, some kind of big test tube thing. So I don't know where he got the blood from. Don't ask me. I mean, I'd, maybe he's killed some people and drained them of blood. I mean, that would be an interesting way to look at it. Maybe that case would have come out in, in, in subsequent episodes. Right, so they've got the, the blood circle. In comes the mauve-faced gentleman, Court. He does an incantation, ah, to the, you know, or something like that, ah, whatever, to, to, the, to, the, to Sandor, not Sandor Elez. Not, not Paul Ross, Sandor the demon, and he's holding his hands up. Ah, and we're seeing that close. Now they've put some mauve on his hands, but not on, on all of his hands. So by the wrist, there is a line and then pink skin. For God, just, just have a care, at least a bit of a care. The, the demon, of course, as you know, is not going to be saying, thank you for bringing me to life. Now, we had a bargain, and I'm absolutely going to stick to that bargain, because I am a demon, and completely evil, and consequently, I know all about morals and deals. No, he kills him, of course he does. And then he is in the, um, the blood circle, can't get out, and burned. As Norley said, the sheriff didn't really, didn't really believe me. No, I'm not surprised, really. I don't really think, well, if he said, you know... A fire started. Well, we know that. Yeah, we've got the fire brigade here. Yeah, and um, and there were no nobody was killed in it. Yes, Mister Court was killed. He was already dead, and a demon was killed. Right. I don't. I don't believe in. I've not seen demon. For God's sake, get out of my office. That's what you'd be saying, isn't it? In the meantime, his publisher is thinking this is a jolly good yarn. And then he thinks, I wonder if Sandor is still alive or dead. I've been really captured. It's like a sort of Roald Dahl story. It's marvellous. Master storyteller, here's another tape. I'll just slip that in and we can have another episode. Oh, no. Well, this is just rubbish. I mean, it's, everybody's very wooden. There are lots of 
Sub Philip Marlowe, you know, it was a, it was gunmetal grey, that kind of thing, you know. And there's lots of that going on with Norris because he's a writer, you see. And um, Angie Dickinson gives her usual, I'm not really going to give you a character performance. I'm not a fan, you see. Roy Dennis is just well. I'm I'm doing this because it's it's work, and um, so is everyone else. There wasn't a series here. I can quite understand why. It's fun to, to see for about 35 minutes, perhaps. And um, I won't be watching it again. It's a two and a half out of five, but by God, it passes the time. Ta-ta.